Hello everyone, Julie with Hefzibah Talks A Lot. And I was just thinking about who remembers, who's young enough to remember? I don't know if they still do this in school. I'm sure they have cooler things now, but the whole chain letter thing that used to happen, right? So your friend would be made, I think I only did it once, honestly. Um, so I apologize to anybody, I gave those two. <laughs> but where you have to like copy the letter and back then we didn't like copiers weren't like everywhere um computers weren't everywhere i know i'm dating myself oh my goodness what um computers weren't like something people had in their home so printers weren't everywhere all that kind of stuff so you had to literally hand write these things i mean you could have used a typewriter but we didn't really think that far ahead we just would hand hand copy these and it would say like this whole long drawn out little stupid story and then it was like send this to 10 people and it was either like you know you'd get something awesome sauce out of it like and you will find the love of your life in 10 days you know or it was like or you will die a horrible death you know so so who remembers those all right so then from there we ended up with spam right once email became this thing so we start getting these stupid spam emails Primarily, they see things like, oh, you've won the lottery, or help me launder money into the US, that kind of thing. So we get those, that whole fiasco of chain of spam email. And then of course, social media became a thing, starting out with MySpace, and then Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, right? So we end up with these things, and now there's these stupid i'm just like okay can we not get more creative in life how many of you are sick of those dumb forwarded things i am so sick of them i'm sick of getting five messages from messenger that are the exact same stupid i better get this back if you're really my friend you'll send this back to me i'll know if you love me if i get this back are you freaking kidding me i'm sorry i'm just like you've got to be kidding me I never forward those. I never respond to those, ever. I, that is like the, what are you thinking, people? You are the chain letters of today. I, I do not understand it. And I'm sorry, but it's like, it's not a heartfelt sentiment. You just think, oh, I'm gonna forward this to like seven people in my messenger contacts or all the people and see how many I get back. Like it's some kind of popularity contest. Like, I'm gonna tell you what, when I was in, high, when I was in school, and they were sending those stupid chain letters. You did not want a darn chain letter, okay? The principle is the same here, people. We do not want forwarded messages. We don't. Don't forward me. Ooh, watch this video. So, like, here's the thing. If you really want me to watch a video, I would know the difference because you'd actually send me this message and say, hey, Julie, you know, watch this video. But the forwarded messages don't put your name in there, although I'm pretty sure later they'll have an algorithm that will actually include your name. So then you're even more deceived. So we've had that going on. Well, apparently now, this is all that I can assume from it. There is a, a hack inside one of these random things going around. I don't even know. But like so many of my friends have been hacked lately that I'm like, okay, it's gotta be these stupid forwarded things that you're opening. Why are you opening them, people? I'm sorry. Don't open them. Don't forward them. Did you know that on Messenger, you can actually long press something and delete it? 
and then it's gone from your messenger. So you don't even have to see it. It's just gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I just, I can't understand how we've circled. Well, maybe we never left. You know, maybe the chain letter moved into the spam, moved into the social media. Maybe it's not like we stopped and then it came back. What is really funny to me, we are not educating our kids. Okay, so I knew somebody and she was probably eight years younger than me, give or take. Um, and she tells me one day, right? She's going off to college or she was in college. I don't even remember now. But she tells me one day, I got this email saying that I'd won the lottery and I had never even tried for the lottery. So I wrote them back and I'm like, you wrote them back? <laughs> oh my gosh, people. Really? And so she's like, yes. And we got into this huge discussion. I'm like, dude, it was a darn scam. And now they know your email's real. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, what are we teaching you people? If you can't, you don't even know not to engage with scam artists. I mean, really? Now, some people, I'm going to put a, a qualifier here, actually know how to engage with scammers to either take them down because trust me, there's a way. Or to like bug them to the point that they leave you alone. But don't do it if you don't know how, okay? I mean, I've heard of people that like this guy, you know what's really actually cool? I was gonna tell a funny story, but I'm gonna tell a serious one. No, not serious, but this guy, he wasn't a scammer though, but he had written this guy and the guy started engaging with him to the point that he actually changed his life. Like the man in this other country is actually helping like homeless orphans in his community, like giving them what they need to get through. And that was just through an exchange. So there is a qualifier, but I mean, don't, oh, just please don't guys. Why are we doing this to each other? It's like here, somebody bombarded my life with trash and I'm just gonna hand it right back over to friends. You know, it's like, stop, just stop. I have such a hard time. And like group messaging is the worst because if people don't know how to handle group messaging, it is like, you know, thumbs up every two minutes. It's like, dude, just long press what you're thumb upping. <laughs> That's not even a word, but you know what I mean? Like you just long press what you're giving a thumbs up to, whatever the thing in the group chat was, just long press it and you can do an emoticon, emoticon for that specific thing instead of bombarding people with 50 thumbs up for one comment. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so, it's my pet peeve, guys. I, I just don't, I don't understand why we're doing these things that they have no value. They just have no value. I try to post things and I do a lot of reposting, but like they're, they're usually like funny videos or pet rescue videos. I'm really big on like rescue videos. I try not to post the real graphic ones um, or ones that don't have a happy end because even I can't handle those. So I wouldn't want other people to have to see that. But I try to, I mean, if I'm forwarding things, not forwarding, I keep using the wrong word. If I'm like reposting things, it's um, usually because of that. Um, and the very rare occasion when I actually send it through messenger is usually like to my mom or my aunt. Those are usually the limits. So I'll send it to them because I know they'd appreciate the video and I don't want them to have to wade through all the mess on Facebook to find a video, you know? So I'll do that on a very rare occasion, but they're not these stupid, like five people in the world have this color of eye. I know that's like very, very limited because there's really not true. 
But you know what I mean? It's like, if you have hazel eyes, and then it's like, forward this to your friends with hazel eyes. It's like, no, I'm not gonna forward your trash to my friends, man. You know what I'm gonna do with your trash? I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna throw it in the trash can where it belongs. So there you go. That's my rant on the chaos that has become social media. And so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed my rant because it was fun. This car is like blocking the thing. I, man, I tell you guys, I shouldn't do this when I drive because then people distract me and I get all bugged. And then I, then my podcast doesn't end on the high note because it was going to end with the trash part. And so I know you're probably thinking, this is where your podcast belongs. Well, nobody's paying you to listen. Although if I had the money to do so, I would pay you to listen. <laughs> all right. Thanks. You never know what's going to happen. So I was thinking, <laughs> oh, wow, Julie was thinking. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, we don't, we get so used to it or we don't start seeing it a lot of times, but people are carrying these burdens of shame and pain and they could be struggling with like physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain. And we get so dismissive of it because we either see it a lot or we just have that difficulty to uh, process what that pain actually means to a person. So like people with chronic illness, that's like the big awareness kick right now because if they have a chronic physical pain, people get sick of hearing about it. And so they they just, I don't want to say discredit because that's not the right word, but they just don't, they roll their eyes or they're just like, oh, whatever, all they do is complain. And I mean, the same thing with the hidden, because chronic pain is definitely a hidden thing. A chronic illness is not exactly necessarily visible most of the time. And it's the same thing with these emotional pains that are carried. So I can think back to uh, the pastoral retreat we did last year and people were very attacky (laughs) and I'm just like, what in the world, you know? And like the inability to go, okay, I can just shrug this off and move on was shocking to me. But what was really shocking was when there was a calling out for people to just like, basically do what they weren't doing, right? So basically being called out to just not get offended. And I'm looking at these people like, what in the crud are you talking about? Because you're living offense. Like you're actually walking that every darn day. And you've been carrying it all this time because you just totally verbally vomited all over these one or two people and just like, blah, here's how I feel about you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I guess I'm used to, I'll rant to my mom, don't get me wrong, but most of my ranting is either like I would do like an audio recording or I would that, like I would delete or no one would ever see, or I mean here, and, or I would do like a writing exercise and, and just kind of like verbally vomit on this page. And usually those are destroyed. I don't usually keep them because what's the point? And I guess like for me, it's like if I can hold in this stuff and eventually process it and move on, why can't you? But that's the point. It's 
we're in such different places carrying such different things. So at one point when they were basically calling us all out to be better people, <laughs> I finally said, you know, I, go, I said, what you have to understand is all of my life or most of my life, as much as I can remember my life, I have carried the spirit of rejection. And for those that don't know what that is, essentially like you either reject people before they can reject you because you automatically assume that they're going to reject you. Makes me like, I told you in one of the other podcasts, I'm not the easiest person to get to know. I'm not the easiest person to get close to because I would rather reject you outright and not let you close to me so that I'm not hurt later on with the rejection I'm expecting to come from you. And the other thing is that, that just that you constantly expect rejection. So anything that happens is processed through that filter of rejection. So anytime you're not invited to something, anytime a statement is made that can reflect you either entirely or just slightly, you automatically assume, oh, this is them attacking me because I'm no one likes me and my life is horrible and no one wants to be around me and I'm just this horrible person that no one could ever get to know or like or if they got to know me they'd hate me kind of a thing so God has really been working with me through this spirit of rejection in order to overcome it and move beyond it which I'm totally awesomely grateful for and I'm like I've made so much progress with him it's amazing but it still went to the point that I had to point out look some people have this on them and there doesn't matter how many overtures of friendship, how nice you are. If they're not actively aware of this spirit and they're not actively fighting it, everything is going to be filtered through that spirit of rejection. And so we need to be aware of that when we're dealing with people in whatever capacity we're dealing with people, day to day exchanges. I have really tried. I lost it today because I got very annoyed about something that happened. And I'm not gonna talk about it because uh, just suffice it to say, I had had something in my cart, a uh, digital online cart. And this is a rare item. You can't really find it anywhere after it sells out. And I processed my cart and the payment sat in my bank account pending uh, since I processed it on Saturday till this morning when the payment was suspiciously less than the item I'd put in there because I ordered some other things too. And so I contacted the company and I was extremely irate. Um, but I'm just saying like, it's, we're all imperfect. We're all gonna have our days. But on beside that, like I went to McDonald's this morning and the line at the drive-thru was insane. The line to go like inside was actually insane. And still, when I got up to the register, it's not their fault that the line is crazy. So I was just like, hi, and very friendly because it's not their fault. But we fall into these self-entitled, I deserve, why am I waiting in line mentalities. And it's like, you know, I'm not the Queen of Sheba. <laughs> I'm, I may be the daughter of the king and a princess because of Jesus, but I am definitely not above you are better than you and I don't deserve special treatment apart you know from the fact that I get special treatment from God so but I mean I don't like if we're both in line I don't deserve to cut in front of you because I'm something special kind of a thing but we can just unload on people doing custom like just regular jobs like you know not like I'm, I made it sound like less but 
I mean, that's how we look at it, right? Regular jobs, like they're working the counter at McDonald's. That's, you know, that's a minimum wage job. It's hard work, a lot of hard work. But we can tend to take out our frustrations on these people, and for what? I mean, once I was speaking to the manager of this company, and she was like, you know, and I'm like, eh, it's probably not going to work out. They're not going to magically find this sold-out item and be able to give it to me. And I'm fully aware of that. So at least they, like, I'm, I just, I didn't want to keep hearing the, I am so sorry, madness. Because it's like, dude, I don't care. You could be sorry till the day I die. And that changes nothing. I don't need your apologies. I just want you to understand how frustrating it is, right? And I think that's where we need to really understand and see things is that constantly saying you're sorry isn't going to negate a situation or, you know, make someone feel better. That's the difference between empathy and sympathy. So, like, sympathy is like, I'm sorry. Or you try to find that, that fine line between where you say, um, well, at least this happened. Or at least you got this. Or at least... So, like, someone tells you that they're having a really difficult time with their husband and your response is, well, at least you have a husband. That's sympathy, and that does nothing for any of us. That's why when people say, I don't want your sympathy, they really truly mean it. Don't give me your sympathy. I don't want it. It doesn't help me. It's not beneficial. And it, most times, it's just a flippant... I just I want you to shut up. I'm done talking about your chronic pain. I'm done talking about your emotional wounds I'm done talking about your your depression I'm done talking about your spiritual angst I'm sorry you feel that way I'm going to move on over here where it's happier and that doesn't do good for anybody but empathy they're really good and her name is like Renee Brown and it's like Brene Brown it's like B-R-E-N-E and I believe her last name is Brown look her up on YouTube and look up the video that talks about the difference between self between compassion and sympathy whoops and you will see that empathy, like sympathy is up at the top of the hole, yelling down to the person in the pit. But empathy gets down in the hole with the person. That's not to say that you suddenly get depressed because they're depressed, but it means that you don't try to make them feel better. You're just there for them to have somebody there. That's what empathy is about. So as we go through our life and we see people languishing, we need to stop shrugging our shoulders and being like eh they're always depressed they're always in pain they're always anxious I, I you know I was very dismissive about anxiety till I spent a year and a half with it <laughs> so anxiety is not something you can just shrug off I've had to like literally change my diet I cannot have caffeine and if I do it's very mild like as the amount in a green tea mild like extremely low dosage i cannot have caffeinated drinks anymore i can't have a lot of sugar those are two things that were leading to my anxiety along with attacks of the devil because i'm not an idiot i know that he hates me and wants me dead and anxiety is a sure as a heck way to get you to the point where your heart's racing and you're feeling like you're dying and it's horrible but like we think people can just shrug things off because we don't have anything to reference it to. So let me give you a, a really brief reference. Have you ever had a toothache? If you haven't, I cannot believe that you are so blessed. You've never had a toothache. But if you've had a toothache, if you've had your wisdom teeth pulled, 
Um, some people can actually keep their wisdom teeth, which just blows my mind. Um, if you've ever had to have work done on your teeth, anything like that, then you'll totally get what I'm saying. And what that is, is when someone tells you my tooth is really hurting or I broke my tooth, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, oh that sucks. You can even see some people like their face is swollen because they've, their teeth are having these issues. And people are, and you still were like, oh, we'll go to the dentist, you know, until you have a toothache. And what happens is you realize that that toothache does not just hurt your mouth. <laughs> it radiates through your entire body. And I had to get a crown put on recently. I swear I never want that to happen again. I've had toothache. I've had broken teeth. I've had my wisdom teeth pulled. I've had a tooth pulled because it was broken. I've had cavities filled. I've had teeth cleanings. I hate those. I've had like everything because I didn't take very good care of my teeth when I was younger. And the crown was the absolute, absolute worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And I've had, I had gallstones. I mean, I'm telling you, not a good thing. Um, but I literally could not get relief. And you can only take so much pain medicine. And I wouldn't, I didn't let them prescribe me like real heavy duty pain medicine. So that's part of the thing. But I mean, I was literally crying in my room. And I, I just, I was like, this hurts so bad. I cannot believe how bad this one tooth hurts. It is like ripping my face apart. It hurts so bad. Empathy tells us that next time someone tells me they have a toothache, I'm going to take it a little more seriously because I have experienced the all-consuming pain of a toothache. Eventually, pain fades, so you have to keep yourself abreast of it because you never want to be reminded by having the pain again. <laughs> so, as Christians, when people are struggling with stuff, the Bible tells us to mourn with those that are mourning and rejoice with those that re are rejoicing. And that's all about empathy. It's like, someone got the job you wanted at your church, rejoice with them. Don't be bitter and don't be hurt about it because God has something for you. You know, don't be jealous if you can't be on the worship team or you can't be on the media team. Pray and see if that's where God really wants you. And if he doesn't, don't try to put yourself where you don't fit in and you don't belong. And I'm not saying you don't fit in because people won't like you there, but that's not where you're called to be. So it would be a fight and a struggle to constantly maintain that life of that ministry. And eventually you would come to detest the ministry or the leaders of the ministry. And you don't want to be like that either. You want to be able to live your life on fire for God, doing what he wants, and being able to offer that empathy to others as they come to you. Because as we walk around, we know that there are people in intense pain that we cannot see. And we got to stop being dismissive and judgmental and biased and angry when people are struggling with stuff. And they're not as along maturely as we are. Or even they're more mature and they got hit with a ton of bricks that maybe we could have just shrugged off in our little superhuman selves. Because it's an area of our lives that we can just be like, oh well. But to them, it rocked their world and devastated them. And finally, the only other thing I'd say is please don't ever tell someone that you understand what they're feeling. Or you understand what they're going through. Please don't ever say that. Because even if my mother passed away and your mom passed away within days of each other or years or the exact same time, who knows? My relationship with my mom is completely different from yours. And I could never understand your loss, ever. 
all I can tell you is like, I am, I'm sorry. I lost my mother too. I'm here for you. But don't ever say, I know how you feel. I, did I say I understand how you're feeling? I think understand is okay. I wouldn't use it all the time. But don't ever say like, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. My mourning process of losing someone close to me may take three years. And that's fine. Your mourning process may take a year or six months. You cannot measure my mourning to your mourning and say, why aren't you over it? I lost my mom too and I'm, I'm fine. It's a year later and you're still mourning your mother? Yes, because my relationship with my mom was different than yours. My mom is fine, by the way. <laughs> Just using an example. So, do your best to, to draw yourself into a place where you can have empathy and, and not just sympathy and where you can actually be like Christ. There are times when you do have to speak a hard word, but you're not going to be accepted and your word isn't going to be accepted if you haven't offered the empathy that people need in order to do that, in order to offer them that. So I hope I made sense. I was going to talk about something completely different, believe it or not. And then this just kind of segued into, <laughs> into this, which is fine, which is fine. I don't remember what I was going to talk about at the start of this, so... If I do remember, it'll be in the third segment of this, but if not, it'll be something random as per usual. And I hope you enjoy my podcast and there should be one more segment after this. So this morning I was noticing these dogs meeting for the first time in an area uh, where people walk dogs near my house. And there was this huge beautiful white dog and these two little tiny black dogs they were probably chihuahuas very little and the big dog just looked so uncertain like his it was written all over that dog's face like what in the world are these little things and it made me think about um, something that happened with my dog in Montana we took my Dalmatian with us on a trip to visit family in Montana and one of my family members, they had a little baby pug. I mean, this little girl was adorable. She was um, black and just totally tiny because she was a like, very small puppy. And my Dalmatian freaked out so much that she literally climbed the back of the couch to get away from this little dog. She was walking the back of the sofa behind us to hide from this little tiny pug. And it made us laugh so hard. And we were talking about just how funny it was that this dog couldn't handle this little tiny puppy, you know? And so we were, I was thinking about that this morning because I was looking at this dog with this real, oh my goodness, I can't even face in regards to these little dogs. And I was like, it's just crazy how the big dogs just like sweat the little things. You know, like they freak out about the little things. So like, I don't know if you, you have a dog or like dogs or any of that, but dogs will even notice like a bug crawling across the floor. Although notice the fly, cats do too, but dogs will like fixate on it and be like, what, get it, I must get it. And what's really funny, my poodle does this a lot. So she thinks like the fly is just gonna magically fly toward her mouth where she can just snap her mouth shut and catch it you know so you'll hear these random sounds of her jaw snapping shut because she's trying to catch this fly that's nowhere near her mouth so 
it made me think about Christians when I said that and um, I was driving in I, I go oh my goodness that is totally like us Christians right so consider in the Bible when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and he tells the Pharisees and Sadducees that they would strain at a gnat around a camel sitting in their soup bowl okay so if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor you just haven't read the Bible close enough imagine a camel tushy sitting in a bowl of soup now it's not even humanly possible for a big camel's tushy to fit in a bowl of soup but you know let's think comically and imagine that and there are those ah sorry (laughs) Ah, i tell you birds birds just fly towards you it's like no um there are those pharisees and sadducees are looking at this camel tushy in their soup and they're just like whatever I'm going after this gnat. How dare there be a gnat in my soup? Okay, so Jesus was talking about how they were basically very legalistic. And I don't know if any of you were ever in a legalistic church. They have their benefits, don't get me wrong. A legalistic church will definitely give you a foundation in biblical understanding because you have to know the Bible. Because if you're not following those rules, you are definitely not gonna enjoy being at that church. So it definitely has a foundation, but the problem with legalism is that grace, there's no room for grace. There's no compassion. There's, there's no mercy. So essentially it's just the law and you better darn well obey it. Now, the problem with that is we can't obey the law. We are sinners. We're rebellious. We are definitely, especially this day and age, excusers of things. Liberal Christianity has invaded churches like crazy. We see this with the acceptance of transgender and homosexual ministry leaders and even people involved in ministry that aren't addressing that rebellion in their lives. And we see that with fornication, blatant and obvious, and people still being allowed to be on the worship team even though they're fornicating. We see it with adultery. We see it with gluttony, the sin that no one talks about because we in church are very, very gluttonous. We get together for food and gorge ourselves. It is, we have a spirit of gluttony on us, the church overall. Now, the problem is, among other things, I could keep going, backbiting, uh, blasphemy, uh, anger, um, because there's, there's righteous anger and then there's our anger, right? You have to be able to tell the difference. Righteous anger is getting very, very livid that millions of babies are being murdered in the womb. And our anger is getting mad because Cassidy gets to date Billy and we've had a crush on Billy or Tom gets to lead worship this Sunday and we are the ones that want to lead worship and I'm trying to think of other things but it's been a while since I've had that petty anger about people so oh for example you you have a person in front of you going slow because this happened to me yesterday and you just like you're livid that they're driving so slow that's like not, that's not righteous anger that's selfish anger that's our anger so we have all these things that we just kind of let run rampant in the church we're basically straining at gnats will condemn a person for going to a concert or missing a service because their kids have sporting events. That's one of mine 
just because I'm not a sporting event kind of person. So that I know that's one of my definitely legalistic. I need to deal with it. I never tell a person I can't believe you missed church for this, but I definitely think it. So I that's something that God is helping me with. So you have to be aware of that. You know, there's things that you're going to hold people to the standard that isn't necessarily what God even cares about. When you consider that there's a camel of fornication staring you in the face and you're straining at the gnat of a missed Sunday service, that is our lives as Christians right now. We want to ignore the camel. It's better for us. It's called the elephant in the room for like more modern times when you people are like, let's just address the elephant in the room. That's the thing that you've been skirting around and dancing around for weeks, months, or years. And you just, because you just don't want to deal with it. So we look at things like that. We consider grace to be something that we just say, okay, you can be homosexual and be a Christian. Which is the exact same thing as saying you can be a fornicator and be a Christian. So technically, based on how we define Christianity right now, that's true. But you cannot be a homosexual and be a Christ follower. And I know that doesn't sound different, but it is. Because ultimately, and you can't be a fornicator and be a Christ follower. I don't want you guys to feel like I'm picking on because that's like the catchphrase right now. You say you're against homosexuality and you're a bigot and you're a homophobe. And why you're a homophobe, I don't get it. Because I do not fear homosexuals. I do not fear homosexuality. So why is it a phobia? I don't know. But there you go. So I'm not just picking on that. I'm not just talking about that, I should say. I'm not like singling that out. That's just the first one that comes to my brain because that's the most accepted one right now. I mean, if you look at a TV show, they are guaranteed to have a same-sex something in just about every TV show that you watch because they want to normalize it. Just like sex. Before, it was all hinted at and it was definitely, you were a definite fallen woman if you had sex inside of marriage, but now it's just totally fine to do everything. I mean, who cares? We, I talked about maybe earlier in this podcast, and if not, it was in the previous one, about Shades of Grey, which is basically pornography and violent pornography, and people just go to the movies and eat it up. Like, it's great, and they rave about the books, and it's like such a wonderful thing to read about violent pornography. Yeah. That did not happen overnight, folks. And the acceptance of homosexuality, same thing. Now, I do not believe under any stretch of the imagination that homosexuals should not have rights and they shouldn't have, they shouldn't be treated fairly and they shouldn't be treated, I don't, I'm not talking about that. I don't, I mean, I'm not gonna say I don't even care that they're doing it because I'm a Christian and I love people, so, you know. But here's my point. You cannot say that you can have, be a Christ follower and, and live that lifestyle, just like fornication. You can't say you're a Christ follower and be a fornicator. You can't say you're a Christ follower and be a thief. You can't say you're a Christ follower and be dishonest. That was God's whole point, Jesus' whole point when he's talking to these Pharisees and Sadducees. He's saying, you guys are here blatantly sinning, straining at the gnat sins of others while you're here with a darn camel in your soup and you don't care. So if Jesus can call the Pharisees and Sadducees out on that, so can we, right? So, and those were the religious leaders. So just so you know, none of us are immune. I cannot engage in a one night stand and act like that was fine. I can't steal a loaf of bread just because I want it or an iPod or whatever, just because I want it and say, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. It doesn't work that way. And I got off on a tangent there because I feel like 
anytime you speak out against any kind of sin, you're going to be, you're putting an arrow on your, a target on your back. And that's just the way it is because none of us are standing up for things. We're allowing the big camel or the elephant to stay in the room or to stay in our soup while we eat around it, which is just disgusting. I just got to tell you, you know, because they're not saying that you're just worried about the gnat for no reason. You're worried about the gnat because you're going to eat the soup with your cam- the camel's tushy in the soup. So what is a camel tushy in your soup? And what is a camel tushy in the soup of your church? We need to be a pure bride for Christ. Anything else is subpar and isn't even worth discussing. We need to be sold out for Christ. We need to be set apart. If we look like the world, what is the point? Who is going to want to serve Christ knowing that basically they can still do whatever they want to do, but they lose out on their Sunday mornings? I mean, seriously, think of that. If you can do whatever you want to do, but you still have to go to church on Sunday, why would you even bother? So essentially, as long as we keep looking like the world and acting like the world and excusing things that are in the world and approved of by the world, we are not followers of Christ. We are just liberal Christians. That's the basic definition. So stop straining at the gnat. Stop focusing on the little tiny things. Seek God. And definitely stop straining at your friend's gnats, guys. Let's focus on our own lives here. Seek God and have him tell you exactly what he's wanting you to deal with and change. And then do it. No more excuses. Thanks for listening.